So 20 and 0, huh? Why not shoot for the stars as Patrick Mahomes did in an interview at his golf tournament in Hawaii last weekend to benefit the 15 and Mahomes charity? Mahomes has done so much in his young career. Would we be shocked if he led the Chiefs to a 20 and 0 season? Well, I would. And Chiefs beat writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell would be too. We talk about that and other Chiefs topics on today's Sports Beat KC. It's Wednesday, June 2nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. After a break, you'll hear from new Chiefs offensive tackle Orlando Brown, who met with the media last week. I'm more impressed every time I hear him. And we'll be hearing from more Chiefs later this week. But today, let's get started with Herbie and Sam. Herbie and Sam are here, and they are being recorded, um, as we just as we just learned. So, of course, we're talking Chiefs, and big news today breaking from one Arrowhead Drive. The concert series is returning <laughs> to, to, to Arrowhead with the announcement of Garth Brooks coming uh, to the stadium sometime in early, August 7th, I believe the date is. So... Chiefs got that going for him. Hey, look, that's um, that's something of a return to normal to have a concert at, at Arrowhead, right? It'll be the first non-Chiefs event there, I think, since 2019, maybe 2018. I'm not I'm not sure if they had a concert in 19 or certainly didn't have one in 2020. So, Garth Brooks coming to Arrowhead. Do you guys know who the first performer to play at Arrowhead Stadium was? Uh, got some the nodding. Beatles. <laughs> the Beatles. That's good. Not too far off. Elton John played there in ni- 1973. So the second year of the of the stadium. They've had some great shows out there. Have you ever seen a show at Arrowhead Stadium? No. Yeah. <laughs> what have you seen? You see games. Those are shows. They are shows. Well, here's here's uh, my little Arrowhead Stadium concert story. Is when when my wife and I moved out here in like 1989, The Who was playing at Arrowhead, and I, I like The Who. But hold on, hold on. Does Sam know who The Who is? Do you know? No, who the who Sam is? doesn't. Sam will have to Google it. But um, I don't know who The Who is. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell is that? Right. Uh, so. We we didn't uh, we weren't going to pay for tickets, but what we did was we bought a six pack of beer, drove to the parking lot, and listened to it from the parking lot. And it was <laughs> the sound was great. It was right. little little Roger Daltrey and Peter Townsend. It was good stuff. So um, so yeah, that's the that's the big Chiefs news of the day. The big Chiefs news of the week happened in Hawaii over the weekend, where um, Patrick Mahomes told I was going to say a reporter but it wasn't a reporter it was Travis Kelsey's girlfriend who was holding a mic I don't know what her role is does she have a is she a reporter does she work for a I think she was part of the promotional thing for the the Coors Light whatever okay. we're calling that Coors Light Lounge or something yeah I don't want to I don't want to dismiss the idea she could be a, a reporter but I, but I know she's Travis Kelsey's girlfriend and uh and Travis or uh, and Patrick Mahomes put it out there the only record that he wants to break, he was asked about records, and the only record he wants to break is 20-0. and 0. No team has ever been 20-0. and 0. And I, I don't know if this got a lot – maybe if, if Aaron Rodgers – that would be big news if Aaron Rodgers had said it. If Brady had said it, um, maybe bigger news. I didn't think this got a lot of play around, um, around the country, but it certainly resonated here in Kansas City. 20-0 is a, a – 
tall task. Although, look, they were you know, they went 14-2 and two in the regular season last year. Um, okay for Patrick Mahomes to go out and, and say things like that, Sam? I was really surprised um, because Patrick Mahomes is so measured in his responses, and he wasn't even uh, – Kayla did not even ask him about that. He just br- brought it up on his own like he was waiting to get it out. Um, so I, I was just, I was really surprised he would say something like that. You know, I'm old enough to remember when uh, Derek Thomas was asked about potentially going 16 and 0 in the regular season, and I believe that was Gunther Cunningham's first year. It might have been his second, but I think it was his first year. And they went seven and nine that year, didn't make the playoffs. Um, now this team is better than that one. What, what, Blair? Do you know what year that would have been? Ninety. Ninety nine, maybe. Yeah, maybe ninety nine. I think it was about 99 as well. Um, this team has Patrick Mahomes. That one didn't. Uh, but still, I just – I mean, there's a reason nobody's ever – you know, Mahomes actually slipped up and said, I think the record's 19-0. Well, the, the Patriots famously were unable to go 19-0 because they lost to the Giants. So no team was even able to go 19-0. There's a reason for it. We've seen fantastic football teams in the NFL. 20-0 is just – you know, I, I guess I don't want to say impossible. It's, it's possible, but it seems just unachievable to me. Can't happen. Can't happen. It just yeah. it, it can't. Herbie, you, you've seen enough football in your life. Twenty and zero, man. I, listen, I, I love the I, I love the confidence, and that's great to put. You know, great to put it out there. It gives us something to talk about, write about. But man, twenty and zero. That's well, I'm gonna yeah, and I'll take the uh, the opposite side of Sam's surprise. I was not surprised because quite frankly, we're in the off season and this is trope season. Team X just wants to go undefeated. Uh player X wants to win the Super Bowl as his goal. Uh, player X wants to win six Super Bowls. So, I mean, this is the time of year where people will say uh will, will establish some goals. Some realistic, some unrealistic. So, you know, when, when a pro player like Patrick Mahomes, the face of the NFL, says, hey, I want to go 20-0, it's not surprising to me. It, it would be surprising if he says, oh, we're going to lose nine games this year. <laughs> okay. But that's the kind of guy that you expect to set the bar high. Man, I just I – don't, I don't think – like, what else have we heard from Patrick Mahomes that lends you to believe he would say something like that? Like, I, I don't I, – I just don't know if anything else he's said unprompted um, that has that has been sort of in that realm. I, I can't think of anything that that, that qualifies. Sometimes, yeah, but I, again, to me, it's like it's 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 this is the time of year where you're going to hear that kind of stuff. Players want to do, uh, you know, set lofty goals, etc. You know, you're right that maybe he hasn't said anything like that before in the past. But again, I'm going back to like you said, Blair. I've seen a lot of this. It's, this is the time of year where you are going to see a lot of that stuff and all these lofty comparisons. I think it was like, what, three years ago, even when I was in, thankfully Melly's not here, but even when I was in New Orleans, Patrick Mahomes reminds everyone of Brett Favre. I mean, that's the storyline. And so you need to have these kinds of things during the offseason. Mahomes hasn't said anything like this bold, but but look, he, he, um, he'll gesture his disrespect, right? The, the touchdown against the Chicago Bears where he counts on his fingers to 10, right? Where he's picked and, um, you know, he, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll do so after a touchdown, he, he might, uh, you know, point or whatever, right? But, but to say yeah. something like this so that it can be aggregated and disseminated 
it's it's not just it's not just the fact that it's like the the spoken word on that those are instances in which he feels he's been wronged or slighted in some sense um nobody has slighted patrick mahomes by saying that the they probably can't go 20 and 0 um so i just i, I the the nature of the comment is what surprised me the fact that it was unprompted and just out of the blue that's why it surprised me and and, the, and who it came from um you know if if, if Kayla had asked Travis Kelsey about it and, and Kelsey had said that, that probably wouldn't have surprised me that much. But just coming from that guy, it did. So when the Chiefs lose or the last team to lose every year, um, the, the Miami Dolphins, of course, pop some champagne because the Dolphins of 1972 were the last team to – the only team in the Super Bowl era to, to go undefeated. Uh, and that was at 17 and 0 with a 14 game regular season. I do like that Mahomes knew it would be 20 and 0. You know, he added the extra regular season game and uh, and understood it would be three playoff games to get him to 20 and 0. And I, I do like the number, nice round number, would look good on a T-shirt or you know apparel. The 20 and 0, I can I can see the ball caps or the ski caps with the 20 and 0. I think that would look pretty good. Because yeah, because nineteen and I would have been a disaster. Wouldn't <laughs> <Right. laughs> even have counted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, also in the in the news in the realm of speculation, uh, Julio Jones still uh, unsigned. What? Uh, untraded. What's that? Untraded. 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 Thank you for clarifying. Um, wants to be, uh, doesn't want to play for Atlanta anymore. Herbie, what, what are the, what are the prospects of, of him being a Kansas city chief? If I were a betting man, I would say, uh, less well, wait, let's stop. Wait a second. You, you are a betting man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true too, but maybe not sports wagering, but, uh, in the fantasy world, it would be phenomenal. You know, if you had Julio Jones along with Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey and their, their host of weapons, it would just be fantastic. It would be like playing on that. But the realistic side of it is whoever trades for Julio Jones has to absorb his massive contract. And right now, the Chiefs do not have the cap space to even entertain that thought. Can they get creative? Absolutely. And if a team where there's a will, there's a way. You know, they can figure out a way to make this happen. But I just don't see them, you know, Julio Jones is an older wide receiver. Why would you absorb that contract, that massive contract that he signed just two years ago and hurt your your future cap space? I, I just don't see that happen. For a team to go after Julio Jones, it's going to be a team with a lot of cap space. And right now the Chiefs just don't fit that bill. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's nothing really I can add to that. I, I think you'd have to be either – the massive amount of cap space or you'd have to be uh, a, a team that felt like you were that player away from be, from becoming a Super Bowl contender and the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender without them. It's just, it's not a big enough need. I could potentially see it if we're talking about an edge rusher of that caliber. Um, but I just, I, I don't see the need for a wide receiver to take, to just totally wreck your, your cap situation and, make it even that much more difficult going into next year. And also, you know, the last couple of years, the Chiefs have been able to make some moves in season because they've, they've allowed themselves that wiggle room. That wiggle room would be gone too. You, you get an injury during the season, you can't sign anybody. I mean, you, you can't make any moves. 
Um, I know the Le'Veon Bell thing didn't work out, but they did add him midseason, thinking that that could be a guy who could help them. We know what they did two years ago with Suggs and Pinnell. I mean, all that stuff would be gone if, if you had a guy like Julio Jones right now. He is good. I mean, it, that, that dude is really – Yeah, great player. I mean, there's there's – Obviously, a wide receiver at that age, I think there is some question about, you know, when when do we see the decline? Because we saw a little bit of it last year. Um, and if you if you get the player that that he was last year, you're still getting a really good player. Um, but if that's the start of the descent, I think some teams are probably rightfully worried about that. Have uh, we all get um, odds from various places? What, who's the who's the supposedly the leader for Julio Jones? Is it Seahawks? Seahawks, yeah. I think that's yeah. the last one I saw. Um, uh, it would be a nice a weapon for, for Russell Wilson, that's for sure. So a week ago, uh, we heard from Andy Reid, and we're going to hear from him again this week. But a week ago, we heard from Andy Reid. It's always interesting, especially you know, if he hadn't talked in a while. And so I'm listening to Andy Reid, and he didn't say anything to me that I, I didn't expect him to say until the one of the last questions – and I thought, I thought this was interesting. And, and um, it, I, we don't have a clip of it, so I will refer you to the podcast last week where we played the entire Andy Reid audio. It was about Jaron Reid. And, uh, and, and he, you know, maybe the, the question was in context with the offensive line, but he just said, look, we talk a lot about the offensive line. We need to talk about what we did in the defensive line. And he, he referenced Reid. And he's somebody who I mean, we wrote about it and talked about it, but, you know, with, with the offseason they've had with the offensive line, that's just a bigger priority for us, right? But I, I that my ears perked up when I when I heard Andy Reid talking about Reid that way. So Herbie, what what is this? What could this mean for the defense? It's all about flexibility, and, and you know I think um, this might be a shot at some of the national people because a lot of national people leading up to OTAs were writing about how the Chiefs didn't address the need for a pass rusher, but you know. Th- us on this show and us, we've even written about it, was the flexibility that Jaron Reed gives them. You know, now you've got a creative defensive coordinator in Steve Spagnuolo. When you have Reed there, you've got the flexibility now to kick out Chris Jones to play defensive end. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I can't say what I saw out there at OTAs, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was what the Chiefs were going to plan on doing um, leading up to the season. You've got – because you have – now you can put in Derek Nottie as well as Jaron Reed in the middle. You can have Frank Clark out there on the right defensive end, and you can move Chris Jones out to the left defensive end in the 4-3 base. When you go to a 3-4 sub package, when they run nickel, now you can keep Reed, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark, you know, right there in the middle. Uh, Reed is a guy who had 19 and a half sacks over the past couple of seasons, so he can certainly apply pressure up the middle. But, you know, Andy Reed is absolutely correct. The flexibility was huge, and that's the reason why I think um, when they signed him, they didn't go out there and draft a defensive end high like we all thought they might do. They waited a few rounds later to get Joshua Kando as a developmental guy because you still have Chris Jones on the contract for four more years, and you've got Reed. It's the flexibility, as Amy Reed talks about, is it's essential to Spagnuolo's creativity. And I, we've mentioned it on the show before. It, it's worth repeating that when Chris Jones played uh, outside in the in the three four, he had a fifteen and a half sack season, including an NFL record 
uh, sack in 11 straight games. I think it was the final 11 games of the, was it maybe the 2018 season? So uh, getting, I, I, Chris Jones is a, a menace wherever he plays, but getting him on the outside, um, I, I think he can do some serious damage there. So. I think it's fascinating when you look at that too, because when you, you know, when you think about, Stout and pure defensive lineman. Look at how the Rams sometimes move around Aaron Donald. You know, and, and now you have that flexibility here in Kansas City because you have a guy who can play the middle. A couple of years ago when they brought in Dominican Sue in, in Los Angeles, that allowed them to move Aaron Donald to the outside. So, the, the, again, it goes back to that creativity, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch, especially in training camp when the, when the practices are open to the public. You know, we, we'll get a good vision of what their plan is for Chris Jones. And I, I, think it, well, I was just going to say, I, I think it works as long as Reed is that guy, um, because, I, you know, I've always been of the belief that I'd rather have my if I'm going to get the same production from the outside or inside. I think that the inside pass rusher causes more disruption to a play because you can't roll out. You know, we, we've always heard them talk about the fact that Tom Brady, the, the way to disrupt Tom Brady is pressure him right up the middle at his legs. Um, if, if Reed can be that guy, because Chris Jones has been that guy here for, for three or four years now, if, if Reed can be that guy, then that's fantastic. If they can cr- kick Chris Jones out, um, which is something that Herbie and I have been talking about ever since they signed Reed. I mean, we, you know, I, I guess Andy Reed probably hasn't been listening to our sports beat podcast um he's the only only one the only one one in Kansas City not listening to our sport he's the one um (laughs) but uh, you know Reed's got to be that guy then and if he's not and they have to kick Chris Jones back inside then you know they've got some problems on the outside yeah then we're back to square one who the heck is the opposite pass rusher to Frank Clark Okay, there are a few more media opportunities left before the Chiefs and the NFL shut it down for their uh, few-week few break in the summer. I'm really looking forward to hearing what Steve Spagnuolo has to say. I believe we're scheduled to hear from Steve this week, along with Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, maybe a player, maybe Patrick Mahomes, uh, a couple of other assistant coaches as well. I mean, I hope um, this doesn't sound kind of silly, but let's preview. <laughs> let's preview a press conference. What, um, what, what are we? What are we expecting to hear from the Chiefs? What, what's on your mind uh, going in? Not to not to tip your hand, other reporters, but um, uh, what's on your mind, Herbie, about going into tomorrow's media availability? I think with Steve Spagnuolo, it's, it's the, the topic we just discussed. You know, what, what's his vision? Is Derek not, not Derek not is Jaron Reed the guy they thought he was when they when they signed him? You know because by tomorrow they're going to have six practices again. You know we always have to preface this with they're not in packs, but you know the, the OTAs is going to set that foundation for whether they grasp the scheme and their individual responsibilities. So I, I would love to know how Reed is progressing and how uh, what Spagnolo's actual vision for Chris Jones because we can ask him that question and get it on record. You know, do you, how much do you plan on moving Chris Jones on the outside? And whatever Spags says is going to be, you know, it's going to be great. Yeah. Spags is a great talker anyway. Yeah. How about well, you, Sam? Yeah, I think, I think that is probably number one. But also, I never thought I would be so interested in an offensive line. Um, we know the offensive line say they don't get the, they don't get talked about much. That's not true here this offseason. And we're <laughs> probably going to get to talk to Andy Heck, their longtime offensive line coach under Andy Reid. Um, and same sort of thing as what Herbie just said about, 
you know, the fact that we'll ask Spags about where certain guys might line up, where he could envision that. Um, same thing with Andy Hack. You know, I mean, can Creed Humphrey be be a day one starter for him? I, 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 Harvey and I have talked. We think he could be the day one starter. Um, you know, is is Lucas Niang exclusively a right tackle? Do you envision moving him around? We know Andy Hack likes to move guys around, but where do you see him slotting in immediately? Um, so, I, like I said, I, I never thought he'd be so interested in the offensive line, but there's some questions on this offensive line this year that I think Andy Heck could enlighten us on on Thursday. Yeah, especially from the center to the right side, right? Left yeah, side yeah. looks pretty pretty solid with Orlando Brown and, and Joe Tooney. And we're going to hear from, from Orlando Brown after we take a break, and that means we're going to bid farewell to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. Thanks, guys. We'll, we'll, we will do it again soon. All right. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. Hey, Orlando, we haven't talked to you since the trade. Just wondering how the first couple of weeks of a Kansas City Chief gone and how you've acclimated to some of the guys in the room and the offensive line as a whole. Oh, it's been going great, man. It's been going great. Uh, it's different, obviously, with it being a new team for me, but uh, a bunch of great men in this locker room, uh, a lot of good leadership, a lot of men that played ball for a long time and been around the game. And uh, I'm just being a sponge, you know, soaking in as much as I can from, you know, some of these older guys in this locker room and all the knowledge that they have and experience that they have and, you know, things that they've been through, you know, here in Kansas City or in the pros period. So uh, it's been great, man. The team is taking me in. The coaches are taking me in. Uh, I'm just just working every day. Go next to Robert Rimson. Go to Robert. Hey, Orlando. Um, Andy kind of talked about you earlier and how you and Andy Heck have been talking a lot. What do you think of Andy and what have you learned from uh, Coach Heck so far? Uh, coach Heck is great, man. Uh, he's an incredible coach. Uh, he understands the X's and O's. Uh, he, he's played the game. He's been around the game for a long time, so he knows. Uh, he's he's super easy to, to get along with and, and learn. Um, you know, I've been been in Baltimore for the last three years, so there's certain things. I guess you could say I'm wired a certain way on certain things, and I'm unwiring and learning learning his new techniques and, and certain things that he's teaching. I think is going to be incredible for my game. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go, ahead, Adam. Hey, Orlando. Um, when you talked to us last time, you told us how important your dad's influence is on, on has been on your career, and just wanted to ask you. Um, what would he think, first of all, of you not only getting drafted, but being drafted by one of his former teams when you did a couple of years ago and now getting to play left tackle for a, a Super Bowl contending team? Yeah, uh, I think my dad would just be excited that I'm in the NFL period. Uh, I think it would have been a similar situation, you know, in Baltimore, although he would have been happy that it was a team that he played on. You know, I could say the same thing for the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns, honestly. You know, he loved that organization as well. Um, but I think he would just be happy that, you know, I'm in the league and I'm, I'm able to play at the highest level. And, uh, you know, I'm getting better each and every year. I know that, you know, he'd be more excited about that as far as, than as far as who I play for, I guess you could say. Let's go next to Darren Smith. Go ahead, Darren. Hey, Orlando. First of all, I like the little L.O. Cougar look. You got to tell us about that. <laughs> but uh, but more importantly, you know, when you're when you're in the room, have have like Lucas Niang or some of the younger players uh, come to you, Creed Humphrey, just come to you and just ask how you know how they how you've adjusted from going to college to the NFL and just like trying to get some advice from you. Knowing even though this is your first year in Kansas City, but you've been a Pro Bowl at both sides of the ball. You know, has Lucas Niang or anyone you know that the Chiefs are drafted or, or brought in come to you for advice? 
Yeah, man, honestly, all of those young guys. And I'm just trying to do my part and be the best leader that I can be, uh, you know, be someone that they can lean on as far as for questions about the scheme or really more so lifestyle and, and personal uh, issues that you may deal with as a young player in this league. Uh, it's, it's not easy, you know what I mean, to make it into this league. It's definitely not easy to stay in it. And, you know, my big thing and the big thing that I emphasize to them is the understanding that, you know, this is this is you know, what we do for a living. But, you know, at the same time, you got to have fun with it and, you know, you got to enjoy it and understand that, you know, once these pads come on, once the lights come on, man, we're going to be the most physical group in the NFL. And uh, they're taking it in they're taking in what Coach Heck is teaching and, you know, Coach Reed and, and really just the system. Um, you know, everyone's all ears. I think we got an incredible office in my room, including the veterans that we have in there and, and some of the older guys and Mike and Kyle and Joe. Um, man, I mean, it's, it's an incredible room. We got four more. We'll go right down the line, starting with Matt Derrick. Good, Matt. Hey, Orlando. I, I know you've worn 78 for a while, which is retired in KC. Uh, I'm just curious, what went into the thought process and the decision-making to go with 57? And and do you understand the, the, you know, the rareness that see a left tackle wearing that number? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, I, I feel like 57 gave me the opportunity to represent two men that had an incredible impact on my life, with that being Jamal Brown wearing 55 and my dad wearing 77. Um, in 78, I just felt like it was opportunity to, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would have got 75, but Mike had 75. So I was like, you know, 57 is available. And, uh, you know, I just thought, thought it was a great number. I definitely thought it was unique, um, but it definitely gives me the opportunity to represent those men. Let's go next to Herbie T.O.P. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Orlando, so many moving pieces with this offensive line. Obviously you're new, Joe Tooney is new. Looks like he'll be working in the new center. How important is it to you, as, as a guy who's been in the league a while, these OTAs to develop some sort of cohesion and understanding what the guys next to you are doing? Uh, very important. Very important, man. Uh, to me, especially up front and maybe for quarterbacks as well, it's important to uh, get that live timing against a real body, uh, get that live timing against a real defensive end, the rush at the time or the snap count, the system, all of those different things, man. Uh I think that I'm in a point in my career where it's definitely these type of off-seasons off and being able to practice against live personnel, it helps me a lot, you know what I mean? Because I'm able to focus on things that, you know, I may not have been able to focus on last year and, and be able to craft, you know, and, and I take this time to really just try to develop my game into a different way. That way I can hit the ground running here in June once we get out and, and translate that all the way into camp, into the season. But, uh, man, it's really important. Go next to Seren Petro. Go ahead, Seren. Orlando, uh, talked a little bit to Coach Reed just about uh, some of the nuances that maybe you've got to change, right? Uh, I know when he was very complimentary of the Baltimore coaching staff and, and that you were well coached there, but what are the nuances that are different and maybe a more run heavy versus a pass or just the nuances of the different way that they want you to, to block? What are some of the things you're having to work on? Uh, man, you think you said it right there, you know, with the, uh, you know, the adjustment to more true drop back passes, um, you know, just the understanding that, you know, now I got to, you know, play an actual chess game out there on the edge with a guy, you know, because, you know, we're going to have to do certain things a certain way. And, you know, I'm going to do my best to manipulate all of my box to the best of my abilities and keep Pat safe. But, uh, you know, it's definitely a learning curve. It's a different system for sure. But, you know, football is football. At the end of the day, once I get it down, I know it's over with. We'll ask to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Orlando, I have two quick questions for you. Um, what's the best part about Creed Humphrey as a just teammate uh, going all the way back to college? And then secondly, uh, what's it been like to get to know Chris Jones and to see him in this sort of setting so far? 
Uh, yeah, it's been great getting to know Chris, man. Uh, Chris is an elite talent, all pro level player. Uh, he's been really good for a long time. He gets paid like it, man. I got a ton of respect for him and his game. Uh, you know, I enjoy working and, and going against him, man. That's something you don't get, you know, every day unless obviously you play here or play, you know, somewhere else with an elite rusher. Um, and as far as Creed, man, Creed's in, incredible, man. Creed is someone that when I was a my last year at OU, you know, he was coming in as a freshman and he was a sponge. He soaked everything up, learned what he could, learned the system fast. Uh, he's very competitive and he loves football and, you know, he likes being physical. And I think, you know, those two things are or three things are definitely going to help him excel to being an elite level uh, center in this league, man. I, I definitely think that, you know, he has all pro pro bowl potential. And, you know, this system, this scheme is going to give him the opportunity to do it. And he's got the right mindset. Orlando, we appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Yep, no problem. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many more stories that appear only on the website and certainly... They appear first on KansasCity.com. So after three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. It's a great time to subscribe. You read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That is KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So... Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode.